Life comes with the unexpected. The unexpected change of plans, the unexpected detour, the unexpected hurt. You didn't see it coming. You were taken by surprise. He shows up in ways we would have never imagined. And there, he reveals his glory. In that moment, for those who believe, the unplanned and unscheduled leads to something else unexpected. The arrival of joy. Amen. It's good to see you this morning. Hope you're enjoying December already and getting ready for some Christmas joy. Amen. Amen. Get some presents wrapped and getting some good food cooked. It's also that time of year for some football, right? And um, looks like the Cowboys play at noon today. So I recognize that and I'll be, I'll be aware of that. So... No, uh, man, there's a lot of great lessons in football. I had the privilege of watching uh, our youngest son, Truett, during his senior year be quarterback at OCS for their six-man football team. And, uh, man, that was, uh, it was awesome to watch them play and win, go to playoffs, and do good. <laughs> they did great. And, uh, yeah, too soon, sorry. Uh, but football, man, awesome. I've, I've got one this morning. Because uh, there's some great lessons that come with football. So, you know, today, NFL, college, it's about uh, having the right players, good players. It's about having right plays. It's about being a team. It's about strategy. Uh, There's so much that it's about. But you can have all of the best of all of that. But if you're not good at one particular part, then it really doesn't matter what else you've got on the field, up in the booth, on the sidelines. If you can't make the transition of the ball from one player to the next, you're done, right? If you go to hand the ball off to the running back and he drops it, It really doesn't matter who that guy is, what the play was. It's important that you know how to transition the ball from one player to the next. So where's Caleb? Caleb, come up and help me for just a moment here. Yeah, give Caleb a hand. So, uh, yeah, Caleb's been excited about this. Caleb, football player back in peewee days. (laughs) And high school? Really, I mean, I wasn't referring to his size. I was referring to the type of ball he's playing. Sorry, no, sorry, yeah, He was MVP, he said. Yeah, that's good. Give him a hand for that. So, I mean, just imagine Caleb and I are playing for some exclusive winning team, right? And then someone is going to hike the ball to me. That's important, that part right there. And that, you know, have you seen some guys that they get too excited in the center? He goes to hike it and he just gets nervous and he flops it down like, What? It was third down and inches, and now it's going to be third and fourth and seven because you botched the moment of transition from the center to the quarterback. But if I'm quarterback and Caleb's running back, look like you're a running back. (laughs) If in that moment the transition happens from center to me, what happens next is critical. I've got to make sure he's got the ball. And look. He's using official form here for receiving the ball. That's important. This moment right here is important. Receiving the ball properly is important, and he's doing it because then I can let go, and he's got the ball, right? Now all I do is stand and watch him run, and it's going to be awesome, and he scores. Touchdown, Caleb, yeah. All right. 
The moment of transition is important. Knowing how to receive the ball when it comes to you, all right? So it also, it's also important in a pass, right? So Caleb, head out that way. So y'all all right? Okay, you're over there? Y'all be alert down here. No, don't go that far, Caleb. I'm not that good. So, <clears throat> quarterback, he's got to make sure he knows how to send the ball, but then it's all on the receiver, He's got to know how to receive the ball when it comes to him. If he doesn't, it doesn't matter how open he was. It doesn't matter how close he is to the end zone. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. If he can't catch the ball, it's all in receiving the ball when it comes to you. Here we go, Caleb. You ready? Here we go. Yes, yes. Thank you. Give Caleb a hand this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's all in knowing how to receive the ball when it comes to you. That's where the transition is so critical. When it comes to walking with Jesus Christ, there's also a moment that is critical that every one of us have to learn, that we have to do well at. It's the moment that he speaks and he hands truth to you. And it is your turn, your time in that moment to receive the truth. That moment is critical. If you're not ready for it, if you're not trained for it, and if you don't respond well to it and you end up dropping the ball, you have just missed out on all that God had for you. This was your moment. This was your time to receive what God had for you. Receive what God had for you. Whichever way you're running the route, whatever the call is, you've got to know how to receive truth when it comes your way. If you drop it, if you botch it, if you panic, if you get nervous and drop it, you've missed out on what? God had for you. Mm. This morning, we're going to look at a story from the scripture, a story that's part of the Christmas story about the importance of receiving the ball when it comes to you. God does his work in fascinating ways in our life. We've been looking at this series, Unexpected Joy, and we've seen how God often interrupts our life in unexpected ways to speak to us. He brings events into our life, scenarios into our life, situations into our lives that are often unexpected. And in that moment, it's, it's up to you to know how to respond to it. But it's so sad to me that so many, even believers, don't know how to respond to the unexpected events that God has brought in to their lives. They don't know how to receive the ball. God uses unexpected interruptions. God uses those as an invitation for us to experience more of him. He really does. He uses interruptions in your life, that thing that was unexpected, that thing you hadn't planned for, that thing that caught you off guard all of a sudden, that interruption is now your invitation to be part of God's story, to be part of what he has for you. 
And you've got to know how to respond to the interruption, the invitation, because what happens next is critical. You see, if you're the running back, you may be running, but when truth comes your way, the ball comes your way, you've got to make some adjustments. You can't run like this and receive the ball. You've got to run like this because now you're carrying the ball. When truth comes your way, you have to make some adjustments in your walk, in your life. If you don't make the adjustments, you can't carry the truth that's been handed to you. Are with me so far, right? Okay, cool. So God uses interruptions as invitations for us to be part of his story. And the interruption and the invitation requires an adjustment. All right? So turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 1. You can follow me in your Bible app. You can take pictures on screen. Or you can do this. You may not know this, but you can go to our website, verticalchurchovilla.com. You can download these slides there. You can keep them with you. It's a PDF file. You can watch on your phone if you can't see that. It's pretty big. You can download them. You can follow along on your own phone, device, whatever you've got. You can keep them for later. You can use them for your own notes. VerticalChurchOfVilla.com. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Let me give a little bit of background here. The story is about two young people that you know, Joseph and Mary. They are at a time in their life where they are looking forward. They've got, in average years, they've got more ahead of them than they do behind them. In other words, they're young. All right? Some of us have less in front of us than we do behind us, right? Okay, that's us older people. <clears throat> so, Mary and Joseph, young. Mary and Joseph, in what we would call today a status of being engaged. The Bible uses the term betrothed. It's similar to being engaged, but during this time and in this culture, if you were betrothed, you were counted as married. In other words, you, you already had this sense of identity. The two were one, except you had not physically become one yet. But for all practical purposes, even legal purposes, you were married at that point. So much so that if something were to happen during that period, there had to be a certificate of divorce written to break it. Betrothal, different than what we have as engagement today. But this is the situation. Now, we know from the story we've read so far, uh, Mary gets an, or gets an interruption that becomes an invitation from an angel. And she finds out she's going to become pregnant with God's son. And her response, we saw last week, was, Lord, may it be to me according to your word. Or in Riley's words, Thank you so much. Remember? Thank you so much, Lord. She said yes to what God had for her life, even though it was confusing, even though it was big, even though she didn't know how that was all going to play out. She said, thank you so much. And she adjusted her life. The interruption became an invitation, and she adjusted her life. Now, the way the story seems to play out in the New Testament, she gets this experience with an angel before Joseph gets the experience. And you can look at the story a couple different ways, but I believe this is, this is probably the way it happened. Is that this happens for Mary, and as we saw last week, she left and went and stayed with her relative Elizabeth, who becomes the mother of John the Baptist. 
And they stayed together. And the Bible tells us that for three months, she stayed with her until John was going to be born. So all this time, Mary is growing in her pregnancy. We don't know how long between the angel and the time she went, but we know she's most likely about three months pregnant, maybe four, maybe five. We don't know for sure. When she returns from being with Elizabeth, she hadn't seen Joseph in a while. When she comes back, Joseph's like, hey, Mary, what? What is this? And this is where our story begins today. Joseph, his life is all of a sudden interrupted. Wait a minute. This is not what I had planned. Wait a minute. How did this happen? Wait a minute. This can't be happening. Have you ever had a moment in your life like that? Where something just interrupts it? And you think, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not what I had planned. Wait a minute, how is this supposed to work out? Wait a minute, God, where are you? Welcome, this is Joseph's story, Matthew 1, verse 18. It begins like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, there it is, to Joseph, before they came together, that's Bible talk before you know what, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that conversation when Mary comes back and tries to explain what has happened to Joseph? Joseph, I, I, I'm, I'm pregnant. I see that. Uh, Joseph, uh, it, was, it was an angel. Oh, really? Is that what his name is? Angel, right? <laughs> and, and he's trying to you know, take all this in. What's going on here, Mary? What is this all about? Well, this angel, he, he met me and he told me that I'm going to become pregnant. I see that. And, and it's going to be God's son. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And Joseph's doing his best to try to take in this unwelcomed invitation and interruption in his life. What in the world? This is not the timing, God. It's supposed to be I meet her, we're betrothed, we get married. And then she becomes pregnant, and it's my baby. And all of a sudden, this is not the way it is. Life has unfolded in a different way than Joseph planned. This is not what I had hoped. This is not what I had dreamed. Life has just been interrupted. You know, it's easy to see moments like that and become frustrated bitter, jealous of others who are not having to go through what you're going through. And it's tempting to think, God, where are you? Have you left me in this deal? Am I all alone? Because I can't see you, God. This is not what I'd longed for, hoped for, prayed for. This is not how life was supposed to go. It has now been abruptly interrupted. And while we might think that those interruptions are evidence that God has left us, the opposite is true. The interruptions are your invitation into the story of God. Mm, That's kind of our first big point this morning. The interruptions are invitations from God 
to experience the wonder of Jesus. That thing you hadn't counted on, that piece of mail that you opened, that phone call you got, that experience that happened to you, you hadn't counted on it, weren't planning for it. It interrupted your life. But if you'll see it for what it is, you'll realize it's an invitation from God to join him in his story. He's doing something. He's at work. You know, one of the probably most common verses that believers know is uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29. We know that all things work. See, we know this. Together for those who love God and are called according to his See, you know it. You know that verse, that God works all things. There are not parts of life that he doesn't know what's going on, that he's concerned about, that he's frightened of, that he's got to be working on plan B, C, D, E, four. He's got a plan, and he's working his plan. He's working all things together. The very next part of that passage, that next sentence in that verse says, for whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God is working all things together. There's nothing that is catching him off guard. In fact, he's using the all together. He's using all things all together so that you and I might be conformed, changed, shifted, adjusted, Changed into the very image of Jesus. He's using even the events that were unexpected in your life. Even the events that came as interruptions into your life. He is using those to help shape you, mold you, adjust you into the very image of Jesus. What wonderful love and wisdom and power. And God is using those. He's using them here in Joseph's story, and he's using them in your story as well. That's why it's so important that when the interruption happens, when that event occurs that you didn't expect, that you don't become bitter at the event that you don't become panicked about the event, that you don't become depressed about the event, because then you'll miss out on how that event is being used to shape you. In other words, the ball will come to you and you'll drop it. You won't know how to handle it because you panicked, because you rejected it, because you got angry about it, because you're still holding a grudge about it. God was wanting to use that and is using it in your life if you'd see him using it. The interruption as an invitation for an adjustment in your life so you could see the wonder of Jesus. With me so far? Yeah, cool. So Let's follow along in the story here. We get back to it in verse 19. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. In other words, he was, a, he was an upright guy. He wanted to do things right. 
just. He was a just man. And not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. I don't know how that conversation with Mary and Joseph went. But what we do know is that at the end of the first conversation, it ended something like this. Mary, I can't do this. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see how this could be. I haven't heard from God on this matter. I'm walking. I'm going to be choosing to divorce you. Now, Joseph at the time, being a just man, wanted to follow the law that, were, that was prescribed for him as a Jewish man. And so he had a couple of options. He could choose to make her a public example, as it says he did not do. He could have brought the matter before others. He could have made a public declaration, accusation about her life. There could have been a sentencing and there possibly could have been stoning of Mary because of what had happened. But it says Joseph didn't do that. He didn't want to stay in the situation, apparently, but he wanted to find a way out that would save him and her. So he chooses option two, a secret a private way, a writing of a divorce certificate given to her that he and her knew, the family knew, and that would be it. This would be the end. Their engagement, their betrothal would come to an end. They'd go their separate ways, and Joseph would be free from the pain. Can everybody identify with Joseph in the situation? Something happens, it catches you off guard, it interrupts your life, and it, you think about, hey, if i got to live with this, this is going to be difficult. If, God, if I have to live with this, this is going to be painful. If I have to live with this, I don't even know what I'm going to do. If I have to live with this, I don't know what people are going to say about me. I don't know how I'm going to respond to them. It's just too much. I don't want to deal with it. I just, I just want out. Can you relate? This is what Joseph wants to do. I want to walk on this deal. I want out. I don't want to have to deal with this. This is too, too awkward, too painful, too difficult. I can't see where this is going. I'd rather just go through with a divorce. I'd rather go ahead and go through the embarrassment of that and not have to face what I think is out ahead of it. I'd rather deal with it now. I'd rather bring this to an end. Joseph was making his own adjustment to the situation. And in fact, he was saying, okay, this interruption has happened. Now I will decide what's best. It doesn't say that Joseph prayed and this is the answer he got from God. This was his decision. It's so tempting to want to 
deal with God on our terms, to, to respond to what he has for us the way we want to respond. But when an interruption happens, it's an invitation, and it requires adjustment on God's terms, not ours. God's terms, not ours. God speaks to us, and he, he points out an error in your life, and he calls you to change. It's easy to say, okay, okay, God, well, I'll... I think I know what you're saying here. I'll, I'll adjust uh, this one little thing in my life instead. You want, me to, you want me to give my life to follow you? Okay, well, how about I just give you Sunday? You want, me to, you want me to forgive them? Okay, well, how about I just stop talking badly about them? You want me to love them? Well, how about I just stop posting things on social media about them? You see, we want, to, we want to do it on our terms. For Joseph, it was, this interruption has happened. It's painful. I'll decide. But God requires an adjustment. Invitations require life adjustment on God's terms, not our terms. And it means that change has to happen. It means I've got to change how I've believed, how I've thought about God. I've got to make some changes to my habits. I've got to make some changes to my conversation. When Jesus draws you close, when God speaks to you, you can't stay the same. You've got to make some changes to your life. You've got to change your habits, your conversations, your heart, your relationships. It requires adjustment every time. One of the things that's so dangerous for us today in a culture where there's so much Bible teaching and truth available it's tempting to listen even in a situation like this to listen to just go through the motion and at the end say well that was nice church was good today and leave and make Absolutely no adjustment to your life. That's dangerous. It's dangerous to enter into God's presence. The ball come to you and you say, uh, that guy, he can take it. He's really good at running. No. If the ball comes to you, you've got to make some adjustments to your life and run with it. You've got to put it in the pit. You've got to take it in deep and you've got to move. You've got to adjust some things in your life. You can't sit back and be the judge of, oh, I think, I w- no, I think I'm not going to do that. I think I know better than God does in this situation. I don't think I really need to stop that habit. I think I can just cut back on it a little bit. I, I don't think I have to really change how I talk. I mean, I can, just, I can just cut back on what I say when I'm with certain groups. I could go further into all kinds of applications here, but I don't think I need to because God's really good at doing that work in all of our hearts individually. Amen? The point is, it requires adjustment. And when you come into God's presence and you hear from God, every time ought to be some moment in which you say, okay, God, what do I need to change now? What do I need to change about how I believe, how I live, how I relate, how I think, how I approach you? What needs to change? 
Because if you're not changing, you've got to stop and ask yourself a question. Is this faith I have real? Have I just been deceiving myself? Going through the motions? Not changing? Can you even remember the last time you changed because God spoke to you? If you can't, you've really got to question what you've got. If you keep passing the ball off to someone else every time he hands it to you, if you keep dropping it every time it comes to you, you've got to stop and rethink the matter. What kind of faith do you really have? Verse 20, the good news is that while Joseph was putting all this through his mind, thinking through Mary, divorce, giving her this secret certificate, it says that there came this moment where he decided to think about it, pray about it. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You almost get this picture that Joseph, he's, he's been stressed. It's been a long day. He hadn't talked to Mary in a while, and he's ready to be done with this thing, and he can't really figure it out. Should I? Should I not? How do I do this? What do I do? And you just, you get this picture that Joseph finally just says, oh, I'm just so tired. I'm just going to lay down just for a little bit. But it just, it just keeps running through his mind. And while it's running through his mind, he falls asleep. And while he's asleep, God shows up. It's not just a dream, though. It's real. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. He already addresses her as his wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, I am an angel from the Lord. I'm here to say to you, you need to not be afraid. Don't panic in this situation, Joseph. You need to go ahead and take her as your wife. That's who she is. That's how we started. We're going to finish it because what is happening in her is from me. It's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. God is doing something in her life. He's about to do something in your life, Joseph. Don't be afraid. Stop letting fear drive you. Stop letting panic stop you. Go ahead and do this. Joseph, you need to obey I know you can't understand it. I know you can't figure it all out. But your plan is not the plan. My plan is the plan. And see, adjustment, which is what Joseph is having to do, he's having to really now make an adjustment to his life. He wanted to give her a certificate of divorce. And God says, no, you're not going to do that. And now Joseph has to adjust his life everything about his life. He's about to have to drop the plans that he had and do exactly what God has called him to do without knowing all of how it's going to work out. Adjustment 
requires faith and obedience greater than we've had before. You see, when God speaks to you, he's going to speak to you and call you into some areas that are going to require more faith and greater obedience than you've had before. He doesn't call you to things that you've already done, right? He's not going to call you back into old wineskins, Jesus would say. He's going to call you into new wineskins, new areas. And so when he speaks to you, if he were to be speaking to you about giving, for example, when God speaks to you, he's going to challenge you to give and believe in ways you haven't before. He's not going to call you to the old again. You might have said, well, you know, I, I have given before. I gave 5% for a while. Look here. When God speaks to you the next time, I can almost promise you it won't be with 5% in mind. It's going to be 6, 7, 8, 10, 15, 20. It's going to be something bigger than you've had before, and he's going to challenge you in it. When he speaks to you about spending time with him, you may say, well, you know, I used to read a Bible verse a week. The next time he speaks to you about it, I can promise you it's not going to be for you to read one more verse a week again. It's going to be something deeper, something bigger, something that requires more faith. If you say, well, you know, God's been speaking to me about forgiving. I need to forgive some people in my life. You know, I forgave that one person for that one thing they did, and I probably should keep forgiving them for that. Now, here's the deal. God's going to call you into some deeper areas of forgiveness. He's going to call you into some parts you haven't been into before, some areas that you kind of had, had closed off. He's going he's to call you to forgive in some, some ways that you have you've hidden, you've tried to hide from him. Because when God speaks, he calls us into greater areas of obedience and faith, not back into the old ways. He calls us forward into new and deeper ways of believing and obeying. Amen? Amen? And they require faith. And this is happening for Joseph. He's having to trust God in some ways he hadn't before. This is all new stuff. He'd never been engaged to a virgin before. He never had that girl say, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That had never happened before. He couldn't rely on the old ways. He was having to trust God for some new things in his life. And that's the way it works. You make some adjustments that are more challenging, more faith-filled than the old ones. Let's get back to the story. Verse 21. The angel keeps talking to Joseph and says, And, and she'll bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, I'm about to do something bigger than you can wrap your mind around. She's going to have a son, Joseph, and this son is not going to be just any son. I'm going to give you the exact name to call him, and I'm going to tell you what his life's going to be about. He is going to save people from their sins. Joseph, are you hearing me? It goes on in verse 22 and 23. It says, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord 
through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph, God is about to do something bigger than what you've known before. You see, Joseph, as a Jewish young man, would have known that God is big, that God is powerful, that God is present in the temple, that God appears from time to time in certain places and had throughout his heritage. But there was something that Joseph had not known. He had never known experientially of God with us. This was going to be new. This was new revelation. This was new truth. This was going to be a new experience. Joseph, your, your son is going to be Emmanuel, God with us, dwelling with us, tabernacling with us, in our trial with us, in our struggle with us. This was all brand new. No one had known him before in that way. No one had known that he could be that personal, that close, that involved, that interconnected with us to say he is Emmanuel, God with us. This was new. Joseph, I'm about to do something new in your life. It's going to be different than anything you've ever experienced before. I'm going to do a work that will be different. It'll be fresh. But Joseph, I need you to obey me. I need you to do exactly what I say. Marry her. She's going to have a son. Call his name Jesus. The angel was very specific. You see... When God speaks and he calls you to obey, it's important that you do. Because obedience will unlock deeper intimacy, insight, and wonder. You see, you might think, well, man, it's been a long time since I've really sensed God close. It's been a while since I've really sensed God do something fresh. It's been a while since I've had some sense of wonder in my life. Really? Hmm. If you were to go back in time and track the last time you heard God, sensed God, his presence, his wonder, and intimacy, what was going on right then? I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to that when they track back, they go back to a time where God spoke to them, did something fresh in them, called them to something different, bigger, deeper faith, deeper obedience, and they chose not to do it. And in that moment, they lost their connection. And it's been since then, many people would say, that I've heard and sensed God. There are depths of wonder and insight and intimacy with God that wait on the other side of your obedience, of your willingness and your action that 
truly adjust and says, okay, God, I will do what you've called me to do. No matter how difficult, awkward, or unexpected it is, Joseph, take this woman to be your wife. When the baby is born, call his name Jesus. When you do, you're going to experience something you've never sensed before. You're going to know God as Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? Amen. Let's continue on our story here, verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, something woke him up. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her. That's Bible talk for you know what. Did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Joseph did exactly as the angel asked. Joseph did what God called him to do. Joseph obeyed, even though he didn't understand, even though it was going to cost him, even though it was going to be a sacrifice, even though it was uncertain, he obeyed what God had said he was to do. And I love the end of verse 25. And he called his name Jesus. You know, today... We read that, we hear it, we see the, the name Jesus, and all of our minds are instantly flooded with pictures and thoughts and experiences that we've all had with Jesus, right? But when Joseph obeyed God and called his name Jesus, Joseph didn't know that one day Jesus would speak to the multitudes. He didn't know that. When he called his name Jesus, he didn't know that he would be turning water into wine at a wedding. He didn't know that these same tiny feet that he was looking at would one day walk on water. He didn't know that. He didn't know that one day this son, Jesus, would be the one who would speak life into those who had no life and they would rise from the dead. He didn't know that Jesus would be betrayed by his own. He didn't know that his son would be arrested for crimes he had not committed. He didn't know that his son would wear a crown of thorns and like a sheep silent before his shearers would march right on to death. He didn't know any of those things. He didn't know that his son would hang on a cross and yield up his life by saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit and it is finished. Joseph didn't know those things. Joseph didn't know that his son's body would be placed in a borrowed 
tomb. Joseph didn't know that that tomb would be sealed. Joseph didn't know that on the third day, the ground would shake, the stone would roll, and his son would walk out of that grave victorious over sin, hell, death, and the grave. Joseph didn't know any of that. He didn't know what was going to come. He didn't know that Jesus would ascend and return to the Father. He didn't know any of that that we all know and just take for granted today. Joseph chose to obey God and call him Jesus, not knowing any of that. That's important. Joseph obeyed not knowing what was coming. Joseph obeyed not knowing what God was going to do next. He obeyed by faith. He called his name Jesus because that's what God told him to do. He called his interruption what God told him to call it. Joseph wanted to call it interruption. Joseph wanted to call it disruption. Joseph wanted to call it a problem. Joseph wanted to call it something I got to get away from. And the angel said, no, you shall call it Jesus. You shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph, what you thought was going to be your biggest problem has just turned into the biggest promise. Now call it what I say to call it. You've had some things interrupt your life. You've had some things come along you didn't plan for. You've had some things happen that were not part of the deal. And in those moments, you come up with a plan, a way to deal with it, a way to get out of it, a way to not have to deal with the confrontation from God, a way to make it a bit more comfortable, palatable, safe, easy. And you gave it a name. You gave your problem a name. And you chose what you do with it. But God is faithful in that he interrupts right when you're about to act. And he interrupts into what you are planning. And he interrupts even after you've done it to show you something. And he says, don't call what I am using for good a curse. Don't call it what you want to call it. You call it what I call it, a promise. So when God is at work in your life and you can't figure it out, that's the moment you choose to obey. It's the moment you choose to do what he said. That's the moment you follow what he says. And you let this new wonder that you have for him You let that call your interruption what God says they are. That's what wonder does. It doesn't define it as a problem. It takes it as a promise. God is with me. Now, to uh, wrap some things up today and to put this into some real handles for all of us. God has faithfully provided a story 
right here within our own church family. And um, in a church this size, we all know that there's struggles in each other's lives. And about a year ago, Megan Rainey got a diagnosis from a doctor that said she had cancer. Megan, come on up here. Where's Megan? She's right there. Yeah, come on up. I'm sure y'all have seen Megan. She's been out in the parking lot faithfully, except when it was just too cold, right? Yeah, most of the time she's there. A year ago, she finds out from a doctor that this growth on her leg that has now become tennis ball size at the time, right? Just about? Yeah, it was big and painful. She goes to the doctor and they say, um, it's cancer. And it's aggressive cancer. And we'll just have to begin treatments and see what happens. That's kind of where we were a year ago. And so, uh, treatments for, for how long? Uh, did chemo for four months. Where's the mic? Oh, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, hold that for just a minute. So, how long? I did chemo for four months and then radiation for about a month and a half. Okay. And those treatments, you'd go in for like four days, right? Yeah, the chemo was about, well, actually, it was more like five days okay. for each chemo treatment mm -hmm. and then um, at the hospital. And then for the radiation, it was every single morning. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, where you work was good to you to give you some time off and to work with you throughout the process because it meant on those weekends, she was in the hospital for those five days. She, she'd come off weak, really weak, right? Mm -hmm. It was difficult to walk through the whole process. But if you remember seeing her over this past year, you remember seeing her in the parking lot and here, always with a smile on her face, right? Because an interruption had come her way. Something had interrupted her life that she had not counted on. It's not the thing anybody puts on their list of to-dos. It's, it's not the thing that people put on their bucket list. Hey, cancer one day, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but it interrupted her life unexpectedly painful, debilitating, not what she had planned. Treatment, not what she had planned. But she adjusted her life to the interruption and saw it as an invitation to join God's story. And she became to us the story every week, right? We saw it. We saw what God was doing. Well, Megan went this past week for MRI and x-rays. It's time to check on the progress. Tell us the results. A clear report. I'm cancer-free. <laughs> cancer-free. Amen. Wow. That's awesome. Unexpected interruption required an adjustment. She made it, and God showed himself faithful in her life. And she and we got to see the wonder of Jesus as a result, right? We see him in a way today we had not seen before. This is what happens when you respond rightly to the interruption and see it as an invitation and you adjust your life. Amen? So this morning, I want us to uh, thank the Lord. Amen? I want us to rejoice. 
And I want to ask Megan's family to come stand up here with her this morning. And uh, just as a way of praise to God, of worship, and of gratefulness, because these are the folks who, when she found it difficult to get up, they, they stayed there with her. They prayed. They believed. Family can come too. They kept on praying. They kept on believing. And I'm grateful for a family. I'm sure Megan is too. That is able to do this. So uh, her mom is Dee Dee. And Dee Dee, I'd like to ask you to lead our prayer this morning. This is a way of celebration uh, and gratefulness for what God has done. Would you stand with us this morning? And uh, she's going to pray. And you just let, uh, let a heart of thankfulness be yours this morning to God. And if he's speaking to you today about some areas that you've been calling a problem and he wants to use it as an invitation in your life to draw close, to be part of a story, and you've been calling it the wrong thing, you've been calling it a problem, but he wants you to call it a promise. You've been calling it a, a disruption and he wants you to see it as an invitation. Would you just tell him that this morning and say, God, I have totally missed this thing. I thought it was a problem, but you see it as a promise. I will call it what you call it. I will see Jesus in my interruption. Let's pray together. Dee Dee, would you pray? God, we come to you and we praise your name. And we thank you for everything that you have done in Megan's life and from her the rippling effect of your glory you have proven yourself on a daily basis you have shown your strength you have shown that you were there you have taught us to trust you to trust you that you are in everything you gave Megan in the very beginning her motto that this is plan A. That you are in everything no matter whether it looks negative, that it is positive for you because you will glorify your name through every situation no matter what it is. And that we really look to you that you are there. And we rely on you and you teach us to trust you and we are grateful for this situation. And we are thankful that you chose Megan to glorify your name through her and for us to be able to see it. And we praise your name. And we thank you that you did choose to heal her yes. for cancer free. Because even if you did not, God, you are God and we trust you. In your name, Jesus, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.